I'd like to turn with me, please, the Word of God to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And it's a long chapter, but we're going to break in at the verse 47. Matthew chapter 26 and the verse 47. We read him while he yet spake, Lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my Father, and shall presently get, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? And that same hour, said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out as against a thief with swords, and stayed for to take me. I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. Ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And when they had laid hold on Jesus, led him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Then moving down to verse 69 and continues the story of what happened after Peter sat down with them. And we read in verse 69, Now Peter sat without in the palace and a damsel came unto him saying, Thou art Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him that they stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept, Bitterly. Amen. And no, God will bless the reading of his own word.
to all of our hearts. Now you find the words of text I want to leave with you this morning in verse 59. And it's this one of these sad verses in the life of Simon Peter. And it says, but Peter followed him afar off. Very simple, straightforward statement, but very significant. But Peter followed him afar off. Now, when you read the life story of Simon Peter, you will find that next to Paul, the Word of God records a much biographical detail concerning the life of Simon Peter. His life naturally uh, divides itself up into four simple parts. First of all, you see Peter on the way up from when he heard the call of Christ to follow him, be a fisher of men by the Sea of Galilee, until he confessed Christ as the rock, and the Lord Jesus commanded him on that occasion. You have the record of Peter on the way up. Then we have the sad incident of Peter on the way down. Dark blood on his life when Peter uh, denied his Lord. Then we have the wonderful story of Peter meeting a risen Lord beside the Sea of Galilee. And that was the start of Peter on the way up once again. And then you come to the closing scenes of Peter's life recorded by Luke in the book of Acts. And you have Peter on the way forward. And the man who was a great failure became the spokesman for God, for Christ on the day of Pentecost. And thank God, 3,000 souls were added unto the Lord. And so you have that brief synopsis of Peter's life, the way up, the way down, the way back, and thank God, the way forward. Now, I want to major this morning on Peter on the way down. And it seems to be summarized in these words, but Peter followed him afar off. And this is one of the great dangers and problems that face every child of God, no matter who you are, uh, what you are, the danger of following afar off, even as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you look at these words, you'll notice that there are three things that I want you to notice. First of all, that Peter followed. That speaks to me of his discipleship. Peter followed. Peter followed the Savior. And that takes us back to that moment when the Lord came to the shores of the Sea of Galilee and Peter was there uh, with other members of his family. There were fishers of men. And the Lord came and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And when you look at that command that was given by the Savior, you'll notice there that there was a person to follow. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And that's something we need to learn about discipleship, the life of a Christian. It is one of following the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. How easy it is to get your eyes upon other people, to put your trust in people, and to be disappointed and discouraged. Remember Paul writing to the Galatians, he said, you did run well, who did hinder you? And sometimes another brother or sister, instead of being a helping hand, can be a hindrance. 
uh, to a brother and sister in Christ. And we need to learn to get our eyes of ourselves, to get our eyes upon Christ, to realize that there's a person to follow, and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, in that command, there was not only a person to follow, but there was a power to fashion. The Lord said to Peter, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now it was Dr. Alan Redpath who said that the conversion of a sinner only takes a second, but the manufacture of a saint takes a lifetime. And so it does from the moment we're saved, we're being changed from glory unto glory and conformed to the image of Christ. And the Lord could see the potential in Simon Peter's life, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And for the next number of years, especially those early years of the three and a half years of our Lord's public ministry, it was a making process at the feet of Jesus. It was a matter of being in the potter's house, and the Lord was shaping and making and moulding Simon Peter. And so, Christian, there's not only a person to follow, but there's a power to fashion. The Lord can make us into what he wants us to be. And then there was a, a purpose to fulfill. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Peter, of course, had fish for fish. And uh, then the Lord says, follow me, and you'll catch men alive. I want you to be a fisher of men. And Peter became not only a personal soul winner, but a great evangelist and preacher of the word. And thousands, literally, came to Christ under his ministry. And child of God, there's a purpose to be, filled, to be fulfilled in your life. And the Lord will take you up and make you a fisher of men. D.L. Moody, on one occasion, came out of a meeting as a young Christian. Henry Farley, the evangelist, was the speaker. And he happened to say this at the end of the meeting. The world has yet to see what God can do with a life that is wholly consecrated to him. And D.L. Moody, as a young man, uneducated, came out of the meeting. And he said, by the grace of God, I will be that man. And the rest is history. Dale Moody is known as the Prince of Evangelists, the man who won the multitudes for Christ and saw thousands, if not millions, won for the Saviour. No telling what God can do with the life that is consecrated to him. So that was Peter's discipleship, but Peter followed. That sums up the early days of Peter's life. But I want you to see, secondly here, Peter's danger. Because we're told in verse 58, but Peter followed him afar off. And here's one of the great uh, dangers of the Christian life, following afar off. Now, before you're too judgmental on Simon Peter, I know of a preacher and he said, Peter had a mouth that was uh, shoe-shaped. He was always putting his foot in it. Well, you know, that wasn't true. Peter didn't have a mouth like that. 
And I want you to notice here when it says, but Peter followed him afar off. Look there at verse 56 of this chapter. It says, then all the disciples forsook him and fled, but Peter followed him afar off. And when everybody had forsook him and fled, everybody had forsook him and fled, Peter, he followed Yes, but he followed afar off, but still he followed when there wasn't another uh, disciple following the Savior. Now, when we think of the danger here in Peter's life and the distance that there was when he was following afar off, let me ask you the question, young person, now listen, young person, listen. If your spiritual life was measured and inches, yards, and miles are close, would you be to the Lord this morning? Or close would you be to the Lord this morning? If it was measured in inches, yards, and miles, how close would you be to the Lord this morning? Would the Lord have to look at your life and say that you're following afar off? Now that just didn't happen by accident. There were certain things that led uh, to Peter's following afar off. And one of the first of them was that there was pride in Peter's heart. You see, Peter, when the Lord warned the disciples concerning the fact that they were going to die him and that one of them was going to betray him, hey, here's Peter. Peter gets up and he says, Lord, although they all betray you, I'll not betray you. I'll not desert you, Lord. I'll even go to prison for you, Lord. And you know, he meant it, but it was all in the energy of the flesh. There was pride there. Peter was full of his own self-confidence. He failed to recognize the pride that was in his heart. And you know what can happen to a Christian? That he can get filled with pride. Uh, and he looks at somebody who has run well and is backslidden. And he'll say, it'll never happen to me. Let me tell you, it can happen to you. You know what Paul said? The greatest Christian of all, I believe, in the history of the New Testament church. He said, I keep my own body under subjection, lest having preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. And Peter's greatest problem was himself. Martin Luther looked into the mirror on one occasion and he said, Luther, as he saw the reflection of himself, you're the greatest Pope I have to contend with. An old Pope self and pride is in every one of us. And you know, pride goeth before a fall. I'll not deny you, Lord. But before the night was out, he denied him three times with oaths and with curses. I remember driving John R. Rice, the famous evangelist, to a meeting. Actually, it was Newton Arge Orange Hall and uh, Free Church hadn't a proper building then. That tells you how old I am. And I drove, Dr. Paisley asked me, could I take him to the afternoon meeting? And I took John R. Rice to the meeting and what a powerful man he was. And, and he said this in the meeting and I, I still have trouble with it. He said this, a Christian can do anything but go to hell. Now you think of that. 
And I thought to myself, that's some spade. A Christian can do anything but go to hell. And you know, the longer I live, the longer I search my own heart, I realize something of the truth of those words. I don't know why you agree with that or not. I, I, I have difficulty with it. But I can tell you this, a Christian can do anything in the flesh and dishonor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pride, oh how we need to ask the Lord to keep us in the place of humility. You know the book says, Cursed is the man that maketh the arm of the flesh his trust. We need to learn day by day, Lord save us from pride. We can be like Samson and we can say, I will now shake myself and go out as other times and wish not that the Lord has departed from us. And you could be in this church this morning, a professing believer, and the Lord has departed from you. And the Lord knows your heart, and you're following afar off. I was in company one day, when I was the minister of Hillsborough, and I happened to mention the name of a young lady came up, and I said, she's a lovely Christian girl. You know what the person said to him? Do you think so? She's one of the most foul-mouthed people you could meet at school. She could go to the Young People's Fellowship. She could take part in the activities. But she was following afar off. And no testimony at school. And that has happened. No testimony in the home. I was asked to do a funeral on one occasion of a lay preacher. Didn't belong to our church, but I was brought into the situation and I was asked to do the funeral and I went out of the house. You know what the first thing the wife and the son said to me? The wife looked at me, she said, I'll not be at my husband's funeral. And the son looked at me and he said, neither will I. And I was really gobsmacked. That's a good old stir word. I said, oh. She says, yes. And this man was a lay preacher, maybe preaching this pulpit. And she said, he's made our life a life of hell. No testimony at the home. Following afar off. Up preaching the word of God. But no testimony in the home. <coughs> Hudson Taylor said, the light that doesn't shine at home will not shine well in other places and neither it would. Oh, Peter's pride. Peter was following afar off. And then there was Peter's prayerlessness. Remember the Lord took them into the garden and he took with them Peter, James and John. And he told the others to sit at the gate and they went into the innermost part of the garden and he said, watch and pray. And Peter and the other two disciples, they fell asleep. And the Lord came and he said, what, could you not watch with me one hour? And Peter was sleeping when he should have been praying. He lost out in the place of prayer. And following afar off, very often begins in the place of prayer. Samuel Logan Brendel, an old Salvation Army officer, he said this, all backsliding begins in the place of prayer. And when we neglect the place of prayer, we begin to follow afar off. And you meet so many Christians, and when it comes to the prayer meeting, they're 
notorious by their absence. They never come to a prayer meeting. And if I was to get up and say, well, we're going to cancel the prayer meeting, there's no need to pray, they'd be the first on their feet to protest. No, oh, you need a prayer meeting. But they never come. They never come. And prayerlessness led to Peter's downfall. And I'll tell you something else that was powerlessness. Do you know when the Lord was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed? It says, And behold, an angel came from heaven and strengthened him. And the Lord rose up from his knees and from his face in prayer, strengthened by an angel. He appropriated strength. And Peter was sleeping. And the result was it led, his prayerlessness led to powerlessness. He had no power to stand in the hour of temptation when he was called to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Powerlessness. Is that you this morning? No power in your spiritual life. You're not able to stand up and to witness a good confession for the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Oh God, give us men and women who know the Lord in the place of prayer and of power and can be witnesses wherever they are for the Savior. So many Christians can't open their mouths for the Lord because they're following afar off. And so you can see Peter's discipleship, Peter followed. Peter's distance, Peter followed afar off. But thank God there's good news for the saint of God. Failure is not final. And we read again how Peter followed. Peter followed afar off, but Peter followed again. And in John chapter 20, we have that wonderful account, the third resurrection appearance of Christ to the disciples, several of them by the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord comes, and he stands in their midst, and he says, little children, have ye any meat? And I want you to notice just three simple things here about the Lord. First of all, Peter's Lord was tender. Peter's Lord was tender. Here they are, backslidden. They'd gone a-fishing. They'd given up fishing for men. They'd gone back to the boats. And the Lord comes and he says, Children, have you any meat? Peter's Lord was tender. They were still his children. And let me say this concerning the backslider and the believer. You always remember they're still the Lord's child and the Lord died for them. And the Lord can restore the years that were the, the locusts have eaten and he can take the fast that is marred and he can make it over again. We're saying about that him more of his grace to others show. much grace do we show to the backslider? Someone has said, it was a missionary said it and I never forgot it, said this, he said, the Christian army is the only army that buries its wounded alive. And that's true. That's true. And yet the word of God says that ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And our hard and cruel and brutal Christians can be Instead of being a helping hand, or the kick another believer when he's down. 
I remember an incident that took place in our church one time. This fella got saved, but he was a rough diamond and had a lot to learn. And he got saved. And he was in with a group of people and working. You put a pound in each and they had a sort of a lottery thing. And they did the lottery. And here he was saved. And he never thought about it and just threw the pound in as he usually did. But here didn't the lottery come up. And I think they got about £12,000 each. I knew nothing about this. And he was a young believer and he had a lot to learn. We're having a prayer meeting and this man gets up and he prays. You know one of these fellas that shouts hallelujah at the top of his voice and he has no grace about him. He started to pray this man in the prayer meeting. I thank the Lord for the weak car that I have. I thank the Lord I didn't have to do the lottery to get it. And this other brother sitting there. Cut him to shreds. Then when I found out what it was all about, I went to see this brother. Put my arm around him and said, Now brother, you've got to realise you did make a mistake. You should have given that up when you were saved. And you know, you got double glazing in the house and all the rest of it. And the money was gone. And he was broken hearted. But we sought to help him, to restore him, to get him back to the place of grace and of fellowship. And you know, looking back over my Christian life, and especially in the early days, I thank God for people who took me by the scruff of the neck and lifted me up when I failed and did things that I shouldn't have done as a believer. And they helped me back on the road to discipleship once again. A great preacher was asked on one occasion the secret of his Christian life. Do you know what he said? I had a friend. Are you that kind of a friend? Helps others. And remember this, what you sow you reap, it always comes back again, your attitude, what you do. And so Peter's Lord was tender. And then I want you to think of this. Peter's love was tested. Three times the Lord looks at Simon Peter and he asks him the question, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, and so on. Now what did the Lord mean when he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Was he pointing to the disciples and saying, Peter, do you love me in a special way more than the rest of the disciples? I can't accept that. But I believe this, that when he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these, he wasn't pointing to the disciples, he was pointing to the fishing boats. Peter, you've said I go a-fishing. You've gone back to the boats. Now tell me this, Peter. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the old way of life? And here's Peter. And Peter, after the third question, he says, Lord, Lord, thou knowest all things. Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And Peter's love was tested. And you know the Lord would test your love this morning. See, the problem with Peter was the problem that the church at Ephesus had. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. See that word first? It's the same word that is found in the story of the prodigal son. Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And that's the exact same word in the Greek as the word first. And what the Lord is saying, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? 
Do you love me with your best love, with your first love? And Peter was able to respond with tears. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Can you say that this morning? My Jesus, my Jesus, I love thee. Thou knowest I'm thine. You've given your life to the Lord and you're surrendered to him as a believer. But notice this just in closing. That Peter's life was transformed. The Lord said to him, Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And Peter became a great soul winner, a great shepherd in the church of God. And it's remarkable that this man who denied his Lord with oaths and with curses actually wrote two of the epistles of the New Testament full of comfort an instruction for babes in Christ. Remember what the Lord said to Peter, when thou art converted or when you're restored, Peter, strengthen thy brethren. And that's what happened to Peter. And Peter became a great example and witness for the Lord and a great encourager. And the man who failed discovered that failure wasn't final. I remember hearing... Jack Purvis, the great missionary, the author of the book Fair Sunshine and the Scottish Covenanters, speaking on several occasions. And Jack was a real Scot. And as a young man, he was called by God to go to Thailand and to be a missionary. And he went out to Thailand with Len Moles and some others. And away at the foot, uh, foot of the Himalayas yonder, they worked for God, established a New Testament church, pagans converted, one for Christ, and a wee New Testament assembly uh, started there. And then something happened. They started to have office spurs. They wanted the church not to be dependent on the missionary, but to be self-dependent, self-governing. And so they appointed different office spurs, and they appointed a treasurer. Then one Sunday, the treasurer disappeared. And the only trouble was he disappeared with all the funds of the church as well. Disappeared with everything. And you can imagine Jock being a Scot. <laughs> after me trusting him, after the trust and the confidence, he's let me down. He says, I'll find him and I'll tell him a thing or two. And Jock got his rucksack, got provisions, headed off into the mountains to the village where this man came from. And when he went to the door, he knocked on the door, and the father came out, and he said, I would like to speak to your son. And he said, I have never had a son by that name. And Jock thought, and it suddenly dawned on him. When that young man became a Christian, he was cast out and made an outcast with his family. They disowned him completely. And Jock began to realize something of the awful price, the great price that this young man paid to become a Christian. And so eventually, to cut a long story short, he caught up with him. And there he was, in tears, broken-hearted. And Jock, instead of tearing stripes off him, he put his arms round him, told him of the grace of forgiveness, that we have an advocate with a father, and that if he would confess his sin, God would forgive him. And the young man, the treasurer, confessed his sin. And do you know what happened? He was restored back into the fellowship. And he went on to live till his dying day 
to be a faithful witness for the Lord. I love that old hymn. I think it applies mainly to backsliders. Cords that were broken can vibrate once more. Thank God there's mercy with the Lord. And I want you to go home with this thought this morning. But Peter followed afar off. Peter followed. Peter followed afar off. Thank God Peter followed again. And maybe the Lord said to you, Christian young person, it's time to take up your cross and once again follow me. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Jesus will last. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts.